Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 241. Where in time is the evil Dr. Foe? Stop his crime and solve the mystery. Thank you, Julius. Thank you for your wonderful musical intro. <laughs> You're welcome, Albert. I always appreciate the compliments from you. Thank you. Before the show, we were talking about this. In case you guys don't get the reference, it is from Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego. A show is, which I was not familiar. show, yes. yes. <laughs> show back from when I was a kid and used to watch all the time. But very much, I, I got strong memories of chasing through time and stopping uh, the evil Dr. Fu, Dr. Fo. However, it is that you prefer to pronounce them. <laughs> but we are time traveling through time, trying to stop the bad guys. That's right. So this is a time traveling game, which is cool. It's such a popular theme lately, it seems. Mm. And this is a fun version of it. Is it okay? Well, I look forward to hearing more about it. I have never played this game. I don't think. I think I missed it because of COVID. Honestly, it came out in twenty twenty, and so <laughs> I, I just wasn't going to the game store that year, right? And uh, staying home and hiding. And the game must have come out, and I just never saw it. Well, hopefully we'll be able to explore it for you together, Albert. All right. So in The Loop, this is a cooperative game which can be played solo as one-handed or multi-handed if you prefer. But it is a cooperative game where the evil doctor, and it really depends upon the version you're reading. I'm going to pronounce him Dr. Fu because I think it's more fun pronouncing as that. But it could also be pronounced the evil Dr. Fo. But anyway, the evil Dr. Fu uh, has has made a time machine and he's looping around from these seven eras of time, trying to drop rifts and cause trouble. And your goal generally is to mess up his machine. And there's going to be various different mini goals throughout the game that you'll have to do to stop those complete enough goals. And you'll be able to win. If Dr. Fu is able to make too many rifts, the various time area eras will turn into vortex. If he can make too many vortex, he will take over time and win. Don't let that happen. <laughs> okay, that that sounds that sounds fun. That sounds like uh, one of our perennial favorites, Pandemic. <laughs> it has that similar style of where you get to take turns and do stuff, and then they get to take turns and do yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay, that, that is accurate. It is such a winning mechanic. Such it a works. Idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. As long as the rest of it feels interesting and unique, that general thing of player turn, bad guy turn works. And that's mm-hmm. more of what you're going to see here. Yep. Now, now, in this one, it looks like the bad guy goes first instead of the players. T- yes. When okay. it alternates, I don't know if that makes a difference. But yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it still alternates. It no real difference. But I noticed that in the rule book. So look at that. That is true. So, Albert, what part of all this fancy schmancy stuff would you like to talk about first? You told us about the theme. Well, I want to hear about the components because I think it looks really cool. Indeed. First, let me just talk briefly about all of the bright eye-catching colors. Mm-hmm. There are is seven basic color modes that they have and are associated with different times. And the different characters usually have a time mode that they prefer. And all of it is just bright and neon-y and just punchy in your face, just with all the bright colors. And it just wants to stand up and smack you with a lot of just the crazy zaniness of the colors and the art and the pieces and the card style. All of the colors, just you you cannot do anything but look at all the colors and just 
feel like you're in i think it feels like you know the 90s and where we're in times gone in san diego just with all the pop colors that are coming out of it all yeah i would call it garish but somehow it actually <laughs> seems to work <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't paint my house like this. It's <laughs> oh, a whole should. bunch of clashing <laughs> colors. I can certainly understand where you're coming from garish. Yeah. But it's a lovely sort of garish. <laughs> it is. It is very. It is. Yeah. You can't miss it. In terms of the first place that you're going to see the colors is going to be on the board. The board is a seven sided polygon. Um, and it's sort of folded up and around and you unfold it into this big seven sided polygon and you're going to be running around through the loop around time between the seven arrows. So the board is going to instantly have a divided up across its seven sides, the different seven colors of the seven different arrows placed hmm. in the center of the board is going to be Dr. Fu's machine, uh, which is going to be this sort of, it's essentially a, a tower where you will drop cubes into it and it's got three spots where the cubes can be let out. And so when it's Dr. Fu's turn, he'll orient the machine to whichever era he's in. And then you'll have to drop cubes into the tower and you'll determine which era he's messing with by where the cubes come out of the tower. If they fall left, right or right of the center. Uh, this is a very nice, pretty purple piece uh, it builds the center of the of the board. It's something that has a table presence to it. Um, I think that unless I told you, hey, that's Dr. Fu there, you probably wouldn't even realize it's a person in the art, which will be something that's true of the duplicates, which I'll mention in a moment. But he's there. <laughs> okay. So so just to make this clear, the, the, the board is seven zones. Each zone is a different time period yes. or something, right? And so you're turning Dr. Fu to, to face one of the periods, with, or you're placing the machine to face one of the periods and dropping marbles and see the landing in his cubes. period, cubes, or one of the adjacent period time periods. Correct. Okay. Yes. Are the time periods more or less chronologically related, or is it just all over the place? Well, the seven periods are the dawn of time, medieval, renaissance, industry, globalization, internet. Age of Robots and End of Times, which is a nuclear bomb going off. Mm, okay, so, so it's also Earth time. I, it's I yeah, it's history. It's it's people time. <laughs> okay, it's the time that people were around generally. Okay. So, and it's so the just reason the cycle of those. The reason I asked that, I'm kind of surprised, is because none of the characters look human. So I thought this was like some sort of time from the entire universe. One of the characters is human. Oh, okay, is it Doctor Fu? Uh, no, it is Mr. Time. Mr. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess Dr. Fu also looks human. I hadn't even thought of him. I guess maybe Time Prowler also is human. But yeah, there are aliens involved in this. I mean, you know, he's only really trying to take over Earth, but clearly there are other realms and places out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So the, the Time Agents are the player characters. Correct. Yes. And these are the ones that don't necessarily look human here. Some of them do not. Okay. Some of them are just explicitly alien. Some of them are a girl and a giant robot. Uh, some of them are a guy with the time watch. You know, we we, we diversify. We have okay. a broad amount of people in the time agency. Okay. So cont continuing on with discussing the components. Uh, another main component is going to be the Dr. Fu duplicates. So he is using his time machine to make clones of himself and He'll just continue to make clones of himself. If he runs stop, there's going to be tons of him everywhere. And 
he will be able to do whatever it is that he wants. So these clones are little discs that you'll draw out of the bag. On one side is going to be just a larger version of the icon for the time, for the era that it's going to come into. And then the other side is going to show a picture of Dr. Fu. And the picture of Dr. Fu will have a smaller icon on his monocle, which will show the era that if you bring the, the duplicate to, it'll essentially blow up if you can bring it there. So one is the start era and one is the era that you end him with in order to, you know, end him. Uh, these are all put into a, a regular cloth bag, which the game comes with, and then you'll mix those up and you'll be able to draw them out. The tokens, again, they're very nice. Um, unless I were to point out to you, hey, that's a person there, you probably immediately <laughs> zoom in on the small icon and just see the icon because there's a monocle covering one of his eyes. The lower part of his mouth is usually covered up by something, whatever it is, like a piece of armor or a mustache or something. Like, it's hard to make out that there is a mouth down there. So mostly it looks like sort of an eye and a nose and a circle. And sometimes it's hard to see that, yeah, that's a person. Mm-hmm. But it's a person there. Neat, yeah, okay. If you can make it out. So the other parts that Dr. Fu has is he has his game board. Uh, which are going to mostly just be a place to store cards. There's going to be a giant deck of player cards that I haven't discussed too much of. And then there's going to be his cards, uh, which are just the cards that we use to randomize which area it is that he's going to be focusing on. It's a deck of seven cards, one for each time. You'll flip it over because each cycle he's going to be going through and looking at each time era. And so you'll be able to use those to figure out, A, which era he's already looked at to predict where you need to protect. But also, it's going to randomize which area he's going to next. Uh, and that summarizes all of the things that Dr. Fu has. In terms of other things that go on the board, there are some red rift cubes and some green energy cubes. The rift cubes are the issues that Dr. Fu has created across the board. They're placed in the different eras. And the energy cubes are also placed in the era. They're things that you create and will spend in order to be able to use your powers on the board. Let's talk about all the player components each player is going to have first a meeple and these meeples are really widely unique essentially there's a cutout type to match whatever the player is so imagine just a shadow box of a piece of art it's not like your standard meeple um and they're colored for whichever era the player is going to be starting at uh, they have a player board, which shows the fact that you get one free movement on your turn, as well as shows what your special power is. And every player also has six starting cards. There's also going to be a big deck of other cards that are going to be coming out to the board and things that you'll be grabbing out throughout the various turns. These player cards all have these just neat, nifty gadgets and gizmos and things that you can collect from across time that will give you powers to manipulate things like they may put energy out or may move duplicates around or swap duplicates or move players around all Mm -hmm. sorts of wildly different things and all of them has just these cute interesting art pieces fantastical type of gadgets and gizmos if you've ever seen like the networks uh it's that kind of humor it's not really like pop like the networks is, but it's mm-hmm. sort of that tongue in cheek type of humor. All of which I yeah. like, <laughs> I like all of that humor. I think that they're all funny and I enjoy seeing what those cards are, especially getting the opportunity to mess with ones that I haven't seen before. 
Mm, okay. And I think that about summarizes all the different components. Um, in general, I think that, as you mentioned, all the components have that bright, colorful schematic to them. I think that's a good thing. In general, it's easy to be able to tell which color stuff is associated with, and you want to be able to see that quickly. Many of them have a lot of mechanics that will tie into it. There are two colors, the orange and the yellow, that sometimes can appear somewhat close to each other and hard to differentiate. But for the most part, it's not too bad to be able to tell the difference between each of them, especially because really the orange and the yellow are opposite sides of the board, as much as mm-hmm. I suppose you can have opposites for a seven-sided <laughs> polygon. But um, they're far away from each other. But all of those colors are all bright. All of the card art is endearing. The pieces are all nice and and give a great table presence. And I'm a fan of all of the different components. Oh, I did forget about one more component, which was the gold tiles, the sabotage tiles. At the start of the game, you're going to be placed around the board on each of the seven different sides, one goal. And there should always be two of them face up, which are going to be giving you goals that you need to complete. You'll use cubes of whatever color you want to track which goals you've completed. Uh, You have to go back to the time era where it is in order to complete it, but your goal is to complete four of those goal tiles. Okay. Interesting, just random tangent here, kind of. The the box is also pretty garish. It's got the picture of the, the Dr. Fu in there, and it's colorful, and then there's these big pink backgrounds and all that. The German version is slightly different. It's, instead of being pink, it's all black, the background. What? So it, now I yeah. want to see this. <laughs> it looks more ominous, kind of, which is interesting. It's the same exact picture. Just I'm going to p- share a link with you. I went to the BGG versions page, and that's the link to the. Well, there's a German picture. Huh. I wonder if the inside also got rid of all the pink. I don't know. So the pink that you're seeing on the cover of the board is all over the rules. Like the primary color of the rules is pink and purple. The primary color of the Doctor Fu cards and the the board that you put them on is all pink so it it is it is pink you will notice it's pink i've heard some people complain that the pinks and the purples are hard to read i've not experienced that issue no one that has played the game in real life with me has had that issue but i wonder if the german one just decided like we don't do pink here <laughs> who knows it's so funny how, how they'll do little changes like that for because it just makes more sense culturally or for whatever reason, who knows? And the random little tiny changes. But I don't know. I don't know if the rule book is different or not. I guess we could look at the BGG rule book. <laughs> I just thought it was really odd and interesting that the cover for just a German edition seems to be different. That is certainly interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the rules being purple and pink, Albert, what do you say we talk about the rules next? Okay, let's do that. So this is a cooperative game, and the method that they've used for the game is very much focusing first on anatomy of the different cards and then they go through and just do the game flow so really you can play through the game for the you know the starting couple turns following through going step by step and making sure you're doing what it is that it's doing um, the game even has a full example of how someone would play going through a whole action phase because 
you know, you're, you're messing with time. You're getting to loop through stuff. So more than just explaining the rules to you, there's a live demonstration. And they do that a couple times through on the different things for the mini parts. That is a very good way to explain the rules. I felt that the rules based on the, the rules present here were very good and very clear. I think the only issue that I would have with it is that there's a separate rule book. There's actually two rule books. The one rule book discusses the main version of the game, just the basic parts, but there actually are ways of adding extra parts to your mission that can make things more difficult. There's four versions of what your mission can be. So you can add in super clones. You can add in these vortexes that prevent you from looping. Uh, You can add in these extra cards that make it less random. So you can play with extra variants, but all of those are actually not in the rules themselves. That's in a special bonus rule book, which also includes, you know, like lore information about the different characters. Oh, neat. Okay. I appreciate they did that. The the lore anyway. I definitely appreciate the lore. It's funny to read it. Uh, Like there's one character, the alien character he probably mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. um, and apparently according to lore everyone just calls him Steve um, <laughs> so we just call him Steve also because saying Sizzwizik every time we want to talk about him is, has become burdensome and difficult uh, so life imitates art there <laughs> yeah. it, you know it almost it almost looks like it uh, It could be Polish uh, a name like Trevishek or something like that <laughs> Kind, you know, you split a little. <laughs> but I'm looking uh, at the picture of the character. He is such a funny looking character. He's an alien with Steve. eight eyes. Yeah. And <laughs> this, is this is such a funny looking game. It looks like it's just fun to play. It is fun to play. I, you know, you're giving definite spoils for my, comp, for my Sorry. overview <laughs> here, but yeah, it is. So that is, I think that's about all that we need to do from the rules. It's a very good rule book. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one random comment. I'm looking at the rules online and it, it works fine, but I, I kind of feel like they got to come up with a better way to do online rules because just taking the, the physical format and changing it and making it just a PDF that anybody could look at, I find it slow for the browser to go through the pages. Sometimes the text is really small and you have to zoom in to be able to read it and then zoom out to view the page. I just look forward to the day when online rules are just flow really well and are designed for online reading versus transporting the physical version. That is a really random thing to it is. say yep. right now. It is. Sorry. Back to the show. I just, I was noticing that because I'm flipping through the online rule book and thinking this is not the best way to read this. If this was paper, I'd be flipping back and forth. It'd be great. I feel like we need to have a whole show dedicated to how Albert wants to have rules in the future. <laughs> All right. But not today. Not today. <laughs> Moving on, Albert. What would you like to know about next? The you've told us about you've told us about most of it. You told us how the gameplay works pretty well. I think. Let me go over the gameplay a little bit more, just to make sure that I'm going through what the basic loop is. Okay. Because I really haven't told you that much about it. To tell you mm. the honest truth, I really haven't. Here's why. You ready? So mm-hmm. the game is played in typical pandemic style. Um, First, you have the bad guys go, who is Dr. Fu phase. And then next, you have the good guys go. During the Dr. Fu phase, you're going to first flip over a card and figure out where um, Dr. Fu is going to be looking at. You'll generate two, do- you'll generate 
one, two, or three duplicates based upon how far you are. Um, you'll make cards available in those areas. And then Dr. Fu is going to be dropping those cubes into his vortex. And wherever the cubes land, there's going to be a new rift in those areas. If a fourth rift lands in an area, you remove the goal for that area and replace it with a vortex. And the vortex are these broken up looking pieces that essentially look like a broken mission type thing. So they replace the missions and that's going to make it harder, especially if you'd almost completed a mission and suddenly it vortexes, you know, well, too bad. Mm -mm. Once you've done all of the bad stuff, so you've put out more duplicates, you've put out more rifts. Now it's your turn to deal with the rifts and duplicates. The way you do that is by using your hand, the cards in your hand. Um, Unlike many other games, this one like wants to encourage quarterbacking. You have to play with your hand face up. You're supposed to draw three cards into your hand, and then those are laid on the table so that anyone else can see them, largely, because many cards let you steal or use or mess with other players' hands. Ah, okay. Um, so it's good for everyone to see that. There is an iconography on the cards on the top corner that sort of says, in general, the sort of stuff they do, whether it's messing with energies, riffs, duplicates, movements, other cards, drawing cards, things like that. There's a very brief iconography, but then there's text on the bottom that generally makes everything very clear. On your turn, you have one free move that doesn't cost energy, and then every turn move after that costs energy. You use cards by tapping them, by rotating them, exhausting them, <laughs> Um, whatever, you know, not Sua's type language you have to use. You, you tap the cards to show that you've used them and then theoretically they're done. But because we are time agents, we have a superpower, the loop. You can spend one energy and then you can pick one of the three different type of cards, technically four, uh, but they're black hole cards, which are just cards that don't have a type. But there are types with this star, types with this stack on them and types of this other icon <laughs> one of three different icons and then you ready each card with that icon so using these loops will allow you to be able to use your cards multiple times over a turn and in fact you can continue to loop your first loop is one energy second is two third is three and you may sometimes end up having huge turns where you use all three of your cards you loop you use all three of your cards, you loop, you use all three of your cards, and you blow through, clear the home board in just one awesome <laughs> turn and wow, slash yourself yeah. up. And doing those sort of things is so much fun. Mm -hmm. I bet that being, is kind of fun. Yeah, being able, because it's all about setting it up with those things, looking at your hand, looking at the board, and sort of planning, if I do this and then this and then this, I can loop again and I've cleared all these things and I can do this. And it's all about setting that up. And it just, it, it it's not difficult to keep track of all of those different things. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel like it's the sort of game that really taxes your mind to be able to figure out all the things that you're doing, but it rewards planning. It rewards thinking and understanding how you're going to use your cards, what sort of goals you have, where it is that you want to be doing things. All of that is just a lot of fun to be able to do. Nice. Okay. And that loop card, the, the ability to loop is, is really one of the, one of the joys of the game. 
In addition, it matters where you are at the end of your turn for two reasons. This is a mini deck building game. At the start of every round during the food phase, you're going to be putting one card out on whichever era it shows on the card. At the end of your turn, you're allowed to pick up a card from the era that you're in, and then it goes straight on top of your deck, so you're going to be using it next turn. These cards are typically a little bit stronger and more focused than your default generic starting cards. So it's useful to be able to grab those. So you want to try and plan out your turn so you're able to grab empty cards. Similarly, you are only able to complete a sabotage tile if both you complete all the mission, but also you're ending your turn on the era where the sabotage tile is. You can't mm-hmm. just finish it from anywhere. So again, it helps to be able to think about how it is that you're going through your turn, where it is that you're defeating rifts and defeating duplicates, and then thinking about where you're going to end your turn so that you can use the cool card and do even more stuff in the future to complete even more goals. Okay, that sounds fun. That really does sound fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of that, it feels good. The mini deck building is fun. How to use all of your cards well. There's a bunch of options and how to do things and just skills that you'll have to be able to tie into all the things, all of it comes together in a fun package. The game does have variable difficulty modes. Mm -hmm. So on the basic generic one, you can do just defeat four missions, but you can make it more difficult by adding in things like vortexes or excuse me, super vortexes. Um, With super vortexes, it just means that when, after Dr. Fu completes an era, if you have to end your turn of that era, you're blown up and you lose. He has that much control over it. So when you start losing, which kind of is going to be inevitable, it has to start changing your plans about where it is that you're going. So you have to start thinking about it. And then there's two, in my opinion, really, expansions that are added into it, expansions that are there present. Uh, the first is the super clones that are there where there's these clones that you start the board with a theoretically a whole bunch of them or even more if you want a more difficult version. And then these clones, when they when you defeat them, they blow up into multiple clones that essentially Dr. Fu has squished together a bunch of clones and to make a super clone. <laughs> and when you blow it up, it blows up into all of its original clone parts. Unique. But the mm-hmm. benefit you get from blowing them up is that you get a special blue energy cube, which is an infinite cube, which never runs out. And like regular energy that does. And then there's these vortexes nice. where you can't use cards unless it matches the vortex in that era. And your goal is to destroy the four vortexes by looping with the, t- with the type of card, put a damage on it and then eventually blow it all up. So these are expansions that can make things more difficult. Theoretically, you can even play with both of them at the same time. Uh, the, the game doesn't have a specific mode for that, but I, you could. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, and it's chaotic. Can't <laughs> <laughs> bet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's not designed for it. It's almost clearly not designed for it. But you certainly can if you're looking for more challenge. And you can put them up to the most difficult modes, which is which is challenging for me at least. 
Well, okay. All of that means that you can make it easy for, you know, when you're playing with newer players or when you're playing with kids, or you can make it really hard after you've played it a bunch of times and really up the challenge for yourself. Hmm. Okay. How long does this game last? Uh, when you're playing solo, it usually takes me about 40 minutes to complete. Uh, probably about twice that when I'm playing with other people. Hmm. Okay. It's not bad. Still talking about solo. What's a solo game like? How different is it? Oh, you can. Is it just multi-handed? It is. So how the way that the solo mode works, um, it's not that you're playing single-handedly. What you do when you're playing solo is that you do have to use multiple players to be able to bounce off everyone, and this is a requirement. Um, what you'll do instead is that you'll mix together three different players and mix together their three different cards, their starting cards, and you'll deal out their cards, and whichever player gets three options for his cards is the one that you're going to have to activate with so you don't have complete control over which person you're going to have to activate with first um instead you're just dealing out random cards and seeing whose card icons show up if you get one of the cards that you previously drawn you can associate it to whoever it is that you want but that all plays through and the solo mode rules are also in a separate rules uh just to explain that basic generic idea Mm-hmm. Uh, it means that it it makes it so that you're not just quarterbacking the whole thing, that you're not just determining who it all is. And it still leaves that there's a lot of interaction between the different, I'll quote, put quote mark, players into it. Because normally you wouldn't necessarily be able to have control of everyone. It's not complicated to run. And in fact, in my brain just now, um, it felt almost like I'm playing just as three players, just with their decks all together. And it almost feels completely normal at this point in time. Hmm, wow, okay, neat. And I was going to say, so when you're doing it that way, you, you may get one character that shows up a lot more than the others. So one No, character... because you'll always keep going through the deck. Mm. So everyone will, because it's based upon which starting cards are really going to be the ones that push you towards one way or the other. And you'll have six starting cards for everyone. So everyone's going to get two turns through the deck mm-hmm. on average. And it, it, does line up pretty well. Okay. So you're not going to feel like you're using one person over and over again. Yeah, okay. Well, it sounds, it sounds like a novel way to handle it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it helps because each card has a character on it for the starting cards, so you have the ability to be able to do such things. Gotcha. Okay. Did I say how neat time travel games are? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you feel that way, Albert? I don't know. The concept of it and just changing things back and forth just seems really neat i don't know it so i'm not sure whether or not you can really consider this a time travel game uh there are other time travel games where something you do in the past affects something that happens in the future here there's not really any of that although the theme of it is time travel it doesn't have the idea of time travel there's a very good abstract game that i actually recently saw which nails the idea of how time travel should work because in that game if you plant a plant in the earlier eras and later eras the plant is grown into a tree and you can use the tree to kill other players that is time travel that is really how time travel should work to have the idea that there's forward and time repercussions mm-hmm. to your actions there's none of that like this the board right. can be just areas around a circle arena for all that it matters it doesn't feel like time travel even though it is time travel 
it feels it feels like a fun co-op game around <laughs> but the board. Just the concept in general, just the idea. I know it's it's very abstract, but the idea that the the uh, Doctor Fu is dropping those those cubes and affecting different time periods from where he's at. It, it just just seems like a neat idea. It's a theme I want to play. I hear you. I mean, I don't disagree. I think the theme mm-hmm. is really fun. Again, I I do have some nostalgia for Where in Time is Carmen San Diego. It was a <laughs> game and a video game that I really liked as a kid, or a show and a game that I liked as a kid. And this feels like that to me because maybe because it's so bright, maybe because of just the idea of someone going through time. So I like the theme a lot. I just simply want to put the caveat on there that it's not a time travel game because it doesn't feel like time travel. It just feels pandemic-y, I guess, to that certain mm-hmm. point. Okay. Well, neat. So so give us your, your thoughts on the game then. Do you like it? Yes, Albert. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Albert. I really, really yes, like this game. In case it wasn't that, obvious. I think that this is it. an excellent cooperative game. I think it plays excellent solo. It's a different take on the classic formulas that we've had before. It mixes together the deck builder with the move around the board, do stuff that we've seen in other games that we've seen the move around the board for Pandemic. The addition of the loop makes it fun, makes it so that your cards can be used a lot, so that you have a lot of sequencing, Mm -hmm. you have a lot of thoughts and interactions on how to best use your cards, how to best use it. And even those things become even more powerful when you're playing solo in late game, when you have a decision, who do I want to activate first? Who do I want to put this card to, to try and push things one way or the other? And then sometimes, surprise, it doesn't work out that way. But... (laughs) those things also continue to add on the the deeper thoughts about what it is that you should be doing. So the game really feels like it, it, this is one of the games that similar to many others, ones where I enjoy your victories feel like it's something that you've done. You really feel like you can own your own victories mm-hmm. and especially combined with the look and the art style of all of the game I very much enjoy this one and give it a really strong recommendation. Neat. I gotta say the uh, the art style is so innovative. It, it really does catch the eye. Mm-hmm. It's super neat. And they've already had an announcement for uh, expansion, so uh, I know I'm going to be getting that. <laughs> okay. Cool. Very cool. Thank you, Julius, for sharing a game with us called The Loop. Which is interesting. And you mentioned Dr. Fu and Dr. Fo. And it, it is weird. In the original version published in 2022, he's Dr. Fu, F-O-O. In the 2021 version, which is a Pandasaurus instead of the original publisher of publisher of catch-up games. In the Pandasaurus version, it's Dr. Fo, F-A-U-X. What a funny little change. So <laughs> the reason why it's not actually a difference in versions it's actually a difference in puns based on language. The original one, this was originally made by French. And uh-huh. I believe that in French, the idea of foo um, means evil. Or it's a pun towards meaning evil. Uh-huh. Uh, re- referencing it, savant foo means evil scientist or mad scientist, excuse me. Uh, and in English, they wanted to make a similar type of pun. So they did Dr. Foe. 
how they pronounced it. They they spelled it F A U X, but it's pronounced foe F O E. Uh, mm-hmm. as in the bad guy. So they want to make a different one. Now F A U X can really be pronounced foo as well. Um I feel like some of the other puns in the game still require it to be foo. Um, uh, mm-hmm. So when I read through it, I just pronounced it as foo. And in my head, that's been my preference, even though theoretically it's meant to be foe. Um, because he's your foe. Yeah. Yes, I totally missed that. <laughs> that is funny. Totally missed that. So the current versions in other foreign languages so, like in French, it's still even in the current version. It's Doctor Fu. Uh, in English, it's Doctor Fo. And in fact, they <laughs> changed things similarly for the expansion because in the expansion, it was like Fuzilla, I think. Uh, and then they're changing it to be—I can't remember what they're changed to. Because again, I don't have it. Um, but they, they had to change some of the puns similarly to mm-hmm. to keep doing the same type of things. Language can be tricky. Yep, yep. Well, I'm very cool. <laughs> it's definitely clear which sort of one you've uh, you've been looking at first, based on how you pronounce it. <laughs> very cool, cool, Julius. Thank you very much, and we'll talk next week. Have a good night and enjoy your travels through time. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.